Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety, take their power back, and learn how to create a truly beautiful life. Each week, I'm speaking with amazing individuals who are experts in the field of entrepreneurship, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, sex, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a mom, a blogger, and a certified health coach. I'm obsessed with personal growth and change, and I've helped women all around the world regain alignment with what they truly value in life and remove the blocks preventing them from living their life to the fullest. If you're ready to stop living a half-life and move fully into your power, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey guys, in this episode, I'm speaking with Alexandra Roddy. She's a mom and blogger, and every single day, she's inspiring women to live their most beautiful lives through her blog, Honestly Alexandra. Now, we cover a lot in this conversation. It ranges from her near-death experience to uh, getting PTSD to going to counseling to relationships to the greater meaning of life. We cover a lot, but I think you're going to really enjoy this episode because we get deep and it's going to give you some perspective on your own life. Even though she's the one telling the story of her life and what happened to her, um, it's a story of redemption. And I think that that's something we can all hold on to and use in our own lives to appreciate being here, being alive, and being grateful for the people in our lives and our health and happiness. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you get a lot out of it. Please, if you haven't already, give us a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode with a friend. And then share it out on social too. I want to see where you are while you're listening to this so that we can all continue to be connected. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about an amazing company. It's Branch Basics, and they make cleaning really simple, affordable, and sustainable. Their fragrance-free, multi-purpose concentrate is unique in that it's one formula diluted with different amounts of water, and it can replace all of your cleaning needs. Laundry detergent, stain removal, all-purpose, dishes, bathroom, floors, the list goes on. Since their products are refillable, Branch Basics is eco-friendly and economical. Not to mention, their products are safer on kids and pets. They're plant and mineral-based, they're free of harmful preservatives, they're biodegradable, and they're not tested on animals. Oh, and they're non-GMO. So as a mom, um, I'm really concerned about the chemicals that are in my house and what I'm exposing my family to. So using this product, using this company is something that I feel really good about. I can clean my house, sparkling clean, and I'm not poisoning my family in the process. Also, I'm obsessed with their oxygen boost for getting stains out of the boys' clothes. So you can go to branchbasics.com and use the code Liz15 for 15% off the starter kit and start cleaning your house in a safe way today. Well, hey, Alexandra, I am so glad that you're on this show. We were just talking before about how much I love your blog and just how beautiful it is. And so we're going to get all into that. But first, obviously, welcome. And why don't we start by having you give us a little bit of context about you and how it all began. Sure, I'd love to. And thank you for the sweet compliments. That just warms my heart to hear that. So thank you. Um, So how it all began, oh my goodness. The idea of starting a blog came about after um, a near-death experience that I had after I delivered my firstborn daughter. I actually didn't start my blog for four years after that experience happened, but that's kind of where the idea came about. I was pregnant with my firstborn daughter, and as any mom would be, really excited. Things just started to go wrong in my pregnancy quite early on, um, a series of events. And so when I was 20 weeks along, they determined that Mila had probably, she had polycystic kidney disease, and her kidneys just weren't looking normal. And they didn't know if they would be functioning um, after birth or if they would be functioning how much 
of a function they would have. And so it really started there. We were referred to a high-risk specialist who monitored me very closely. You know, it was terrifying. It was one of those moments that, you know, you think that you're just, everything's easy and it's going to be so smooth. And and to be told that it was absolutely terrifying for Nick and I. And so we saw the high-risk specialist, uh, again, who monitored us. And then at 30 weeks along, I actually went into preterm labor. Mm. And so it was another situation of, you know, complete feeling completely out of control of the situation. And I was given, of course, the steroids shots to help Mila's kidneys or help Mila's lungs develop faster because they thought that I would likely deliver her. Um, But for some reason, my body was just able to kind of hold off and they put me on bed rest, which was like the best thing ever because, you know, incredibly hard when you have a preemie, especially a Mm -hmm. 30-week-old. And so I went home on bed rest and I remember coming coming home from the hospital after staying there for a week um, while they monitored me. And just like losing it and Mm -hmm. falling to the floor and bawling my eyes out. And Nick was working nights at the time, so he wasn't home. And I remember just praying so hard that just like, God, please, please let this baby be okay. Because I felt so out of control. So, you know, I, I picked it back up and I held it together. And, um, at 34 weeks along, I started to develop severe upper right right quadrant pain in my stomach. Hmm. And I remember, um, again, it's just these series of events where you just kind of go, well, what next? Like, and I hate to say that, but it just, it it was just every moment was terrifying. And so when I started to develop that pain, it, it happened. The first time it happened was when my husband was working nights again, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks in the middle of the night. And I woke up and I felt like someone was just punching my right rib cage over and over and over. Hmm. And so when Nick got home at 6 a.m., I said, we got to go to the hospital. Like something's not right. And so we, he took me to the nearest hospital and because of my history with preterm labor, that was like the first thing they looked at, you know, Mm -hmm. is, is she going into labor again? And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if I was or wasn't because it, I just felt so, you know, confused with my body at the time. But they assessed me. They didn't do blood work, but they just did a very quick assessment. And, you know, the doctor said, likely your baby is kicking up in your ribs, causing you this pain. Go home, take Tylenol and just, you know, just rest. And I remember again, getting in the car on my way home. And I said to the doctor, are you sure? Mm. Are you sure? Because something within me was saying, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. And I had this gut feeling, but of course, you know, I listened to the doctor. You know, I thought that, they've seen this before. And so I got in the car with Nick on the ride home and I said, babe, I started crying and I said, can this be the baby kicking? Like, I just don't get it. I don't get how this could be so painful. Mm-hmm. And so I went home and I did what I was instructed and the pain would come in waves and it would come and go. But when it came, it was so intense. And so when I saw my high risk specialist who I was being seen, that was my doctor now because of Mila's kidneys. Um, again, they just said, probably the baby's kicking in your ribs. It was the wow. same thing over and over. So it started to get worse and worse. And at 36 weeks, it became um, just unbearable. And I woke up in the morning and I had been up all night trying to get in a position that was comfortable. And I was sick with a cold at the time. And so I'd been up coughing all night. I had pain in my rib cage and Nick went, Nick had to, you know, do some things that day. And then he went off to hockey. And so I, I texted my mom who's a nurse and I said, I'm really sick. 
And I think in that moment, I didn't realize what I was actually saying, like Mm. how sick I was, right? It was kind of like, I'm really sick with a cold and I don't feel good, but I'm really sick. And she said, this isn't right. Call, you've got to do something. Call telehealth. And telehealth, I don't know if you have a similar um, call service in the States, but it's essentially a call service where you can speak to a clinician, like a nurse, mm. a professional who can kind of suggest certain things and they can determine whether you should be seen right away or whether you can wait and see the doctor. And so I was kind of at the end of my rope and I didn't know what to do. So I called telehealth and I left a callback number because, you know, the hold was for hours. And Nick got home from hockey and I was crying and I was in so much pain. And I said to him, telehealth still hadn't called me back, but I said, let's just get outside and take the dogs for a walk because I need something to get my mind off of this pain. I just was kind of desperate. And so we loaded our, you know, we got all our stuff on. It was the middle of winter. We got the dogs on leashes we stepped out the door and my phone rang from the kitchen. Hmm. And I said, I think that's telehealth. We, like, we can't, we can't go out yet. And so I ran and got the phone and it was telehealth and they sent me an ambulance right away. Oh, wow. After I told them, you know, my symptoms. And so when I got to the closest hospital, they deemed that I had preeclampsia. And so that's, you know, when your blood pressure is, is high and that happens for, you know, to different people in pregnancy for whatever reason, it can be quite serious though. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was told that I had preeclampsia and my blood pressure was high and I was going to be sent by ambulance to my hospital that I'd be delivering at because of Mila's kidneys, my high-risk hospital. And when I arrived at the high-risk hospital, they reevaluated me, you know, they checked my blood work, um, my urine, my heart, and my blood work had changed so dramatically within that hour that um, I was in critical condition and my mm. liver was about to rupture. Um, my, I, they put me on stroke and seizure medication right away because the risk of that was really, really high. And they said it wasn't safe to deliver. Uh, they were going to give me a C-section, but it wasn't safe to do a local anesthetic with fear of internal bleeding. So they wanted me to go under general. And so Nick couldn't be in the room. And it was just a whirlwind. My parents showed up to support us. And my mom, being a nurse, you know, just wanted to ask the doctors a couple of questions. And the doctors said they didn't have time. Mm -hmm. And they got me into the surgical room. And um, they were about to put me under. And I remember the nurse just reaching out and holding my hand and looking me in the eye as I was being put under. And it was just what exactly what I needed in that moment. It was like she felt, she knew what I was feeling and just was there to support me. And it was just that little thing that I needed to go, okay, maybe this is going to be okay. And when I woke up, I was very, very sick. So with HELP syndrome, HELP syndrome is a a very um, funny disease. And it's very, it is rare in pregnancy, but they don't exactly know the cause of it. Um, What it's suggested in the scientific world that it's It happens when your placenta doesn't attach, right? Kind of Mm. at the beginning of your pregnancy. But it's an autoimmune response to the baby. And your body senses the baby as an invader. And so your body begins to shut down to get the baby out because they want to expel. And so my body was shutting down. And unfortunately, with HELP syndrome, time is of the essence. So, you know, it's there's a 25% death rate. Um, in women that develop help because it's wow. just, it's a matter of time. Mm-hmm. So they thankfully got Mila out in the nick of time. Um, but I couldn't meet her for 20 hour, 24 hours after I gave birth to her. And um, 
I remember them wheeling her in. So I wasn't really supposed to have any stimulation at all because they wanted to just reduce my risk of stroke and seizure. But when they wheeled her in and I held her with all of these things attached to me and all of these things attached to her, she was in the NICU. um, I thought that that would be the last time I would ever hold her again. And Hmm. I knew, you know, doctors would never, they, they didn't tell me how sick I was, you know, but I knew that just... I was so sick. I was, I was gravely sick. And um, my platelets kept dropping. Uh, they went down to 11, which is, I mean, at zero, you're, mm-hmm. you don't have the ability to clot anymore. And so they gave me 10 rounds of blood transfusions in hopes that that would help. And then I started to show signs of my body healing. It was truly miraculous. The doctors were just shocked because it was kind of, they were almost in preparation of, you know, the worst case scenario based on how sick I was. And Mila, she was in the NICU, but she was okay. I had the nephrologist coming in. He was monitoring her kidney. She was peeing. And I remember that we were both sent home a week after I delivered her and being in that, I mean, it was just a whirlwind. And all of a sudden the doctor said, you know, you got to follow up with your, your doctor at home, but you, you came out of this, you healed from this. It didn't hit me for about two weeks, the trauma that I had just been through. It was almost like, you know, friends and fa- my close friends and family knew what had happened. But to anyone else, it was like a normal birth, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one would have known the severity. And having a connection with me at first was really challenging because all of a sudden, you know, I was pregnant and then I was sick and then there's this baby that I have to bring home and care for, even though I'm feeling really unwell still and my body's still healing. And so everything was just so overwhelming and terrifying and I didn't know how to process it. Mm-hmm. So it took several months. It took a long time of counseling. Um, I you know, was diagnosed with PTSD. I was having vivid nightmares of the experience. And, and so it was really, really challenging. But through all of that, the amount of miracles that happened, it was just incredible. Mila had follow-ups with her kidneys or follow-ups with her kidney doctor, her nephrologist. And at three months along, her kidneys were showing signs of not having cysts at all. Hmm. And she's followed up once a year with her doctor now, but he still is just, he calls her a medical miracle because it just, her, her kidneys developed as cysts. So she had normal, she didn't have any normal kidney tissue. Every ultrasound, it started to show you less and less. And so just all of these moments of so much gratitude for being healthy and being alive and I mean, it just inspired me. And I guess that's, you know, going back to the question from a long time ago, that is what inspired me to start my blog. That's amazing. I mean, I could only imagine going through, I mean, I can't imagine, honestly, going (laughs) through something like that. And, and like you said, being expected to just kind of clock in and do what, you know, every new mother is supposed to do when you've just been essentially hit by a car. That's, I'm, and I'm, I'm really thankful that you said like, yes, I went to counseling. Yes, I sought help because I feel like so many women get in this situation and they just think that they have to power through and do what they need to do because that's what everyone else is doing. Um, I know. 
And you know what? I love that you said that because one of the things that when I went to see my therapist, she told me was, you know, I I kept saying how I feel like no one understands. I feel so alone. I feel like I'm in this little bubble of all of these emotions and trying to process everything. And I feel so alone. But she said to me, that's fair because no one else has been through this. But have you told anyone how you're feeling? Like, have you, have you said to your mom or your best friend, I need support. I'm struggling. And I, and it was, it was the simplest thing, but yet I hadn't, you know, and sometimes we have to ask for help. We truly have to like verbalize it because, you know, you think that everyone will automatically know that you just went through this traumatic experience and you need help and you need that support. But until you communicate that to your family and your friends, no one will really get it, you know? So that was really liberating for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, when you did finally decide to start the blog, how did it start? Was it more of just, this is what happened to me? Or was it more light? Or what what was the first blog post like? Mm -hmm. So... I started my blog four years after this situation had happened. And so it would be about a year and a half ago now I started my blog. And I had thought about it for um, at least two years before I started it. And my main goal was to inspire other women and provide them some tools to live a healthy and happy uh, life just based on the experience that I had went through and what I had learned from that. And just my whole life experience. And so it started really as a self-development blog um, and a motherhood blog. And so supporting women on finding inner peace and hope and a happiness. And so my first blog posts were relating to all of those topics. And it just felt so rewarding. I actually didn't start it because I was terrified. I was <laughs> so terrified of, you know, being vulnerable and being mm-hmm. judged. And I mean, like all of us have those fears, I think at some point in our lives. And my husband kept saying, but you got to do it. I mean, you talk about it all the time. You want to inspire people. Just, just take the leap of faith. And if you're not comfortable, you can stop. And so he was the one that really talked me into it. And then it's just, so I said, it started as a self-development blog and now it's really kind of changed into more of just a lifestyle blog. So I have, I still talk about things that are really meaningful and important to me, really personal topics, uh, topics relating to how to be, how to see more positivity in your, in your life or, you know, how I find my inner happiness and peace and advice on different books that I've read that have really impacted me or different life lessons. But I also have a side to my blog, which is much more light. And it's, you know, things that just inspire me on a daily basis, being a mom and just my experience through motherhood and raising toddlers. And I have a passion for home decor and, you know, I have, um, I love cooking. So I share a lot of my easy recipes with my followers who just, you know, want life advice, just different Mm -hmm. things. And it doesn't always have to be deep, but I really want to cultivate a community where women feel heard and supported. And, you know, it's not all about me, but it's about this relationship that I've developed with them. That's just so special. It's, It's a real friendship with my, with my followers. And that's what I love so much about it. Absolutely. Like I I can totally relate on that. Like as much as you give out and all of that advice Mm -hmm. and and just tips and things like that, like, I feel like when I do the same thing, I I get so much more back 
from getting out. Like you put out, you know, this or that, but then like the, the overwhelming, you know, repercussions of that are so positive and so energizing. I mean, Uh, that's honestly, I believe why you're doing what you're doing, why I'm doing the podcast, because it is, yes, it is a gift to the world, but you get so much more out of it. It totally does feel like that. And it's so rewarding, like you said. I mean, it sometimes doesn't even feel like a job because, you know, I think like sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to my best friends where, and I'm always looking for ways to give back to them. Like, what do they want to read about? What do they care about seeing more of? And I, you know, I ask them these questions all the time and maybe I ask them too much, but I just want to make sure that whatever I'm putting out is is what they want to see and, and read about and hear because it's not just all about the pretty pictures and me you know, posting a bunch of stuff about my kids and my life, but I really do want it to resonate with my audience. Yeah. And I like the post that you did about your marriage. You know, you've been with your husband a really long time. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you, I mean, you were really honest and authentic, which is why I was attracted to Aww. it. So can you talk a little bit about that post and the motivation for that post? I'd love to. Yeah. So it's funny. I have polled my followers so many times on Instagram asking what they want to see more of on the blog. And there were so many women asking for a blog post relating to marriage advice after having babies. Mm -hmm. And I totally get why, because having children just rocks your world, right? I mean, it just flips it upside down. And it's really easy to forget about who you and your husband were as a couple before you had kids everything is now about your children. And so with Nick and I, we've been together for, oh my goodness, I should know this, but we've known each other since I was 14 and I'm now 30. So we started dating in high school and we ended up taking a break um, between high school and and when I was in my first year of university just to kind of find ourselves. But we've been through so much together. And I feel as though going through such a traumatic event together made us so much stronger. And there's so... There's just so many good things about Nick that I see I see these qualities and I I try and focus on the beautiful qualities versus just picking apart all of the little things that drive you crazy about your significant other. And it's so easy to do that. I feel like it's so easy to use your significant other as a scapegoat. And that's not to say that we're perfect because we're not. There are days when, you know, we come home from work and the kids are crazy and we got to get dinner on the table and we take our frustrations out on each other. That's just normal married life, I think, right? That's just a part of it. But there's just, I wrote that blog post because I wanted to provide some simple advice on things that we do every single day. And it takes work. You know, marriage is work. You have to work at it every day, but simple things that we do every day to truly have a healthy and happy marriage. And so, I mean, I hope it resonated with some women. It was personal, but that's where it started. So, but I think that's why it resonates too, because it's real. And it's like, this is my situation. This is my experience. This is real guys. Yeah. And so people are like, oh, I get it. Like, or yes, this is happening to me too. Right. So can you talk to our listeners. What are, what are some one or two things that they can do? They've been in a relationship for a long time. Um, what do you, what mm-hmm. tips do you have for them to kind of keep it, keep it good, keep it, you know, moving? Yeah. Okay. So one of the biggest things that I've noticed and I'm, I'm such a observer and 
I don't know if sometimes I love that side about me, but I always observe that bickering is just so common, right? I mean, it's so common if I go to, um, you know, my best friend's house or if I go to, if I even see it at the grocery store, it's, it's so common for people that have been together for a long time to bicker and to just kind of shoot comments at each other that aren't positive or aren't going to you know, support and help your marriage. But it's these little things that you overlook. And I feel like bickering is just one of those things where it's like, oh, you know what? He's just driving me crazy. This is this is how we speak to each other. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's those little things that make the world of a difference. And Nick and I have worked really hard at not bickering. And I know it sounds silly, but it's, you know, when we find ourselves getting into that, I call it like the bickering rut, when we start to find ourselves cycling into that and just kind of picking at each other about nothing that is helpful or it doesn't really truly matter. We just stop, to be honest. Yeah. So if you find yourself getting in a bickering rut, I would say try and work at that more than anything. How do you speak to your significant other on a daily basis? Um, What is your tone like? Um, How much of the communication is positive versus just annoying each other? And so that... I think is like a daily exercise that people can put into action where you will notice a huge difference. The other thing is, is that Nick and I really focus on making time for one another. And I know that that is so challenging, especially for parents that have young babies. It's not easy for us. It's not easy for anyone. We make an effort to do monthly date nights, but not only that, we just make time for each other on a daily basis. And we, we tune into each other and we communicate about just everything, what's been bothering us, um, something funny that happened that day. We don't, we make an effort to not just talk about the children mm-hmm. um, and not just talk about work, but other things in life that inspire us. You know, I think it's so important to talk sometimes as if you're just dating, right? Yeah. Get to know each other again. And that's easy to lose sight of when you have children. Yeah. Absolutely. Or even if you don't have children, you've just been in a relationship for a long yeah. time. I feel like you just, you know, it's inevitable you take the other person for granted. So I'm glad that you touched on that. For sure. Um, but you really put yourself out there, you know, over the course of the blog and your Instagram. Was there ever a time where you felt like, this is just too personal? Like, I just, I miss my private life. I miss having just me. Did you ever think about taking down the blog or just completely shutting off social media? Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think I, I've thought about it. I, I I haven't gotten to the extent of, you know, I just want to take everything down, but there have been days where, you know, of course I question is, is it worth it? You know, me being so vulnerable and sharing my life with others, it can feel some days just, it's so personal and you're inviting so many people into your private life. And there are days when I feel like giving up, you know, but at the end of the day, my audience and my followers, they inspire me so much. And Mm -hmm. just even the DMs that I get from them um, and their comments and just, you know, people saying, thank you so much for writing this blog post because it inspired me so much. I mean, those little comments are huge to me. And that's what I hold on to when I think about continuing with my blog. I have a friend who's thought about it for a year now, kind of like you with your two years. What's a really great way to get started and then bring content that's actually going to connect with other people? Right. So, I mean, getting started, I think it's important to niche down and figure out what type of content you want to produce and what you're really passionate about. Because if you're not passionate about it, it's not going to last. And I think the misconception with blogging is that it's easy. And 
It's not. I mean, you obviously know firsthand too. It's so much fun when you are passionate about it, but it's a ton of work. I mean, I there really hasn't been one day since I started my blog that I haven't been working. And mm-hmm. working can be a lot of fun, but it's also, you really have to be self-motivated. And in terms of producing content that will really resonate with people, um, you have to determine who you're speaking to, and then constantly going back to those people that are already listening or watching or following along and, you know, talking to them, getting to know them. What do they want to see more of? I think that getting really specific about those things is totally, uh, it's just a game changer. I know that when I first started my blog, I was just producing content that I, you know, thought people might like. And my real focus was like getting a larger audience to read my blog posts. Whereas now I'm less focused on having more people see my blog. And I'm more focused on what do my active readers, people that are already following along, what do they want to see more of? Mm -hmm. I want to serve the people that are already actively reading. And so that's kind of my best advice, I'd say. I love that. I love it. But it was almost like you had to go through the expansion first before you could really come to that. But that's a good lesson for someone who hasn't even started yet. Yeah. And I mean, if you haven't started again, just getting specific about what you want to share. I know Instagram is such a great tool for getting traffic to your blog. So just making sure that your Instagram, um, it doesn't have to be perfect at all. I think that's, you know, I follow people who take selfies and who just are so spontaneous with their photos, but their captions are really resonating Mm -hmm. and they're very powerful. So I think focusing on your captions, but also creating an Instagram feed that is somewhat cohesive, right? It is whether it's just you taking selfies or being really spontaneous or more of like a cultivated Instagram account, I think that it still needs to be somewhat cohesive and organized. So I would say paying attention to that as well. What do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned through your journey, through healing and and going through what you went through and then creating a really a personal brand that's healing others? What's the biggest lesson you've learned through all that? Oh my gosh, there's so many lessons. One of the biggest lessons that I've learned is the power of your body and its ability to heal. And it's something that, and this is less, you know, emotional and psychological, but it's more that realization that now I pay so much attention to what I put in my body, how I treat my body, not just how it looks, superficial things, but all that my body went through and its ability to heal itself. And now Mila is so healthy and, and to give birth to her after everything that had happened. I think that it kind of brings me back to the point of, you know, all I feel like so many women struggle with their postpartum bodies and all of these changes that we go through, but the power of your body and what it goes through and its abilities to heal is so powerful. And I think that that was one of my biggest lessons. Um, and in terms of, you know, the psychological lessons, there were so much. I mean, the power of miracles. I'm such a firm believer in there are so many miracles around us that happen on a daily basis. Just being more aware and cognizant of those miracles is so important. I would say the third lesson that I took away from my experience is to really listen to your gut instinct. Mm. You know, I felt during my pregnancy, I knew that things weren't right. And I wasn't actively paying attention to that inner instinct. But I was, and not to say that you shouldn't trust the doctors and people around you that are medical experts, but I feel as though listening to your, listening to your body and when something doesn't feel right, get it looked into because that can be life-changing. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And just to touch on that, my, my coworker, something was wrong with her breast and they were like, oh, it's just eczema. Oh, it's just, it's this or that. Mm. They gave her creams and she, she came back and she's like, no, it's not that. And it ended up being breast cancer um, wow. and, you know, stage zero. So they were able to treat it really easily um, and she'll wow. be fine. But yeah, I mean, and it's I feel scary. like that happens so much. Yeah. We need to listen to ourselves. That inner knowing is, is spot on. It's right. I know it's so powerful. I always say when life keeps tapping you on the shoulder, right? Because that's, it feels like that, you know, when I was Mm -hmm. going through my experience and in so much pain, I just felt like I was getting tapped on the shoulder over and over and over. And I just wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to uh, God or spirit or whatever you want to call it, just life in general. Um, And that's such a powerful thing. Absolutely. So what do you want all the mothers who are listening to this episode to walk away with? I would say that for people walking away from this episode, I would want them to feel inspired and heard. You know, even though I'm doing all the talking right now, I feel like so many women out there can relate to my story. And sometimes all we want is to feel heard and supported and and valued and as if it's all going to be okay. And, you know, even with my journey of going through counseling and working on myself, I knew that I was sick and I needed, I needed that support after I gave birth to know that that's okay. So I want women to feel inspired to take action if something's not right or just feel a sense of being related to and mm-hmm. um, as if other women who are going through the same thing are there with them because, you know, there are so many women that are going through similar situations. Absolutely. And that's really the goal. I think of your blog of this podcast, it's really holding women, you know, and, and, Mm -hmm. and connecting them in a way that, you know, whether they ever meet each other or not, or ever even speak to each other, like we're all here, like everyone listening to this right now, we're all relating on some vibrational level. We are like, it's happening. And so, you know, your message of, healing and and positivity and really being mindful paying attention to the little things paying attention to how you speak to your spouse spouse is really really important and really helpful i hope so i really do and uh, thank you for saying that that's very yeah, kind it's true it's true but now i do have some rapid fire questions if you okay <laughs> i think i'm ready let's go okay transformation is transformation is For me, I would say it's self-reflecting on what isn't working for you and how you want to be better and do better. And so transformation can be very superficial in terms of changing your body or getting your body back after pregnancy. But for me, it's more transforming your mind, body, and spirit to be the person that you truly want to be and not for anyone else, but for yourself. Mm, I love that. Motherhood is? Oh gosh, motherhood is (laughs) chaos, uh, overwhelming, beautiful, crazy. It's, it is such a journey. Motherhood is a journey. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a journey of self-reflection. I mean, motherhood teaches us, I think more than any of anything else in life could possibly teach us about patience and, um, hope and support and love and, um, but I, I would say it's a journey. I'm grateful for. My health, my family, my amazing you know, audience of women who support me on a daily basis. I'm grateful just for life to be here and 
um, there's just so many blessings. There's so many blessings in my life that I'm grateful for. I couldn't just say one. I love it. And love is? Love is, oh, this is, this is a tough one. Love is powerful. I mean, love, I feel, is unconditional and heals. It's so healing. So I would say love is healing and, and unconditional. Love it. And last one, what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? Oh, that's a good question. To, to let go of the things that don't matter and to love yourself more. You know, I feel like it's so easy to get hung up on all of the little things in life that drive us crazy and to fixate on all of these things that matter so much in, the, in that moment But, you know, if you reflect three months down the road, they didn't matter at all. And so I think it's the lesson of just letting go of things that don't serve you or thoughts that don't serve you and loving yourself unconditionally. That would be, those would be the two biggest lessons. I love that. I love that answer. So for all of our listeners who don't already know who you are or don't already follow you, um, what's the best way for them to find you online? So they can find me. My website and my blog is um, www.honestlyalexandra.com. And my Instagram handle is honestly underscore Alexandra. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, Thank you for sharing your story and getting honest and raw. And just by doing that, you're already improving the world. Oh, Liz, that means so much to me. And thank you so much for having me and just all that you do um, and, and all that you bring to the community of inspiring women and supporting them on their journey. And it's just, I'm just so honored to be on your podcast. So thank you. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Alexandra. I loved listening to it again as I was editing it. And the main takeaways that I got were that you really need to listen to your body. You know, listen to your gut. If, if something doesn't feel right, follow through with that and and get second opinions and get it checked out because usually you're not wrong. Um, Also that we need to enjoy life more and not get swept up in the little annoyances of everyday life. And I'm a firm believer, I say it again and again, that life is meant to be enjoyed. There's meant to be pleasure in every single day. And so to pursue that and find that, I think is the path to a really beautiful life. Um, If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode, please go ahead and share it. Um, Share it on social media, on your Insta stories, and I'll blast it out to uh, everyone else as well. I want to see what you're doing when you're listening to this. I want to see what you're up to. Um, And I just want to connect with you, the listener, because I feel like I put it out there and then I don't know what happens to it. So connect back with me. Let's make it a full circle. Also, if you haven't already, please, please, please leave it a five-star review on iTunes. It does so much for the show and the ratings and just getting it out there to more and more people and more and more ears. So until next time, guys, I love you. See you next time.